Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzin on The Art of Intimate Marriage, and... We uh, started off our program um, this last week, which you can actually um, access uh, a recording of that. If you go on my website, you'll find that link. And the first week, we actually talked about what does the Bible say about sex. And so go back uh, or utilize that after you hear today's program. What I do want to talk about today is how does that fit in how does the sexual intimate part of marriage, how does that fit in the overall intimacy in marriage? When I work with couples or when I do workshops, one of the things I emphasize is that um, sexuality is a part of the entire relationship. One affects the other. So how uh, couples are doing in their overall intimacy affects their sexual relationship and how their sexual relationship goes affects their overall intimacy. Well, what exactly is that overall intimacy? And what does it look like in a marriage in which we're really, our, our goal and our heart is to glorify God with our marriage? I love this out of Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16. It starts, it says, this is my beloved. This is my friend. I mean, right there, which Song of Solomon is a great book to use to decide how um, to live out our sexual intimate relationship and intimacy overall. Right there, you get that understanding that it's two different things right there. The beloved, so there's the lover, there's the there's the I am beloved and my uh, beloved is my lover. So there's the sexual component, but also this is my friend. So here's the relational part of intimacy. They they're so deeply intertwined even in the scriptures. So I actually there it's quite surprising there's been quite a bit of uh, research on the word intimacy. And researchers have come up with different definitions of what exactly it is. I'm going to share that with you. What are some of those definitions? Well, one definition is sharing something meaningful, personal, private, either verbally or non-verbally. And so the non-verbally would be like sharing humor, nicknames, affection, having tacit understandings. So that's one definition straight out of the research on intimacy. Another is, and this makes so much sense, the sharing of joys, hurts, and fears. And boy, when we have that kind of connection with another person where we can share our joys, our hurts, and our fears, it does create that intimate knowing of one another. Uh, another definition, the perception that one is fully known deeply and authentically on the one hand and loved, accepted, respected, and cared for on the other. So this is about, boy, my spouse, my partner, they know me thoroughly. They know all my junk. They know how messed up I am and they still like me. They still respect me. They still care for me. That is intimacy. Well, you see it reflected in the scriptures. 
and that it's set up not just in an intimate relationship between us and our spouse, that, but that ultimately it's about our intimacy with God. God lays it out super clearly. Um, when you look at Psalm 139, it's one of my favorites. It says that he knows our thoughts. He knows when we lay down. He even has his hand upon us. It also says that he created our inmost being, that when we were created, our frame was not hidden from him. I was made in a secret place. Your eyes saw my unformed body. God knows us intimately. That's the depth of intimate knowledge that we have from him, him towards us, that he wants us to have towards him, that intimate connection. He created us while we were still in the womb. He knit us together. How else do we know he knows us intimately? I love Isaiah 43, where he says, uh, I have summoned you by name and you are mine. I love that word. If you are a parent, when you hold that baby in your arms, it's like, oh, this is mine. This baby is mine from my body. Um, when you're first in love, you look at your partner and hopefully you <laughs> think this throughout your marriage. This is mine. This 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 being that God has given me is mine. That kind of uh, positive possessive is how God feels about us. He looks at us and goes, he's mine. She's mine. That's how he feels. That intimate connection with God, right? So God lays it out that intimacy is all throughout the scriptures. You look at the words that God uses to describe us. In uh, Deuteronomy 33, 12, it calls us beloved. In Isaiah 41, 13, it says that he holds us by our hand. Isaiah 49, 16 says he engraved us on his palm. And then Isaiah 40, verse 11 says he carries us, I love this, in his arms close to his heart. We are created to be intimately connected. God made us that way. And that is exactly the kind of intimate connection not only he wants us to have with him, but also with one another. So really, when we are in a marital relationship in which we're, our goal and our heart is to follow God and follow his word in how we live in that marital relationship, we have this opportunity, we have this chance to have a deeper, much deeper understanding of God's loving heart by being deeply known and erotically bonded with our spouse. So that is huge. We have the chance to not only know one another more deeply, but to even know God more deeply by the type of bond that we have in our marriage. So this places our sexual relationship in a much broader uh relationship. It places it broader within our relationship in our marriage and within our relationship with God. So there are a number of different levels of intimacy, and I want to address those because that's vital. Uh, intimacy in relationships, in marriages as well, has different pieces to it. I love if you've ever get a chance to read Kelly's book called The Seven Levels of Intimacy, he actually kind of breaks this down into seven different levels. And he starts with 
um, cliches. That's the first level. Then to facts. And that, you know, when we're interacting with people, we might go a little deeper and share some opinions. Then we start, when we're really starting to feel more connected, we go to hopes and dreams. We start sharing feelings. Then we might share some fears or some failures and weaknesses or even some basic needs, right? He talks about these being the seven levels of intimacy. Well, research actually shows that the majority of married couples only hit those lower four levels that only about 15% of married couples go there or, or live there. They might feel that early in their relationship, but that the, that's an 85% of couples are living in cliches, facts, and opinions level, that level of intimacy. When actually deep intimacy is about sharing hopes and dreams, sharing feelings, sharing fears, failures, weaknesses, and needs. Uh, people do feel it. They too get there um, in marriages. Even that 85%, about another 25% of that sometimes feel it during like rough times. When you've had a child, when there's been major illnesses, when there's um, been an accident or you're at a funeral, there's bonding that happens, um, even for married couples. But then they go back to regular life and they're back to just facts, cliches, opinions. And so you may feel that, like we're just living together in our home, we're roommates, we're good friends, but we actually don't go to those deeper places. That's what we're going to be talking about in this program is how to have, yes, great sexual intimacy, but also how to have that within a deeper emotional intimacy within marriage. You know, I got the opportunity to explore some of these different areas of intimacy. What, how do people define it? I got to ask a bunch of couples how they defined intimacy. And I, I'm going to share with you some of their words. These were um, Christian couples that went through a, um, a research study with me. These are their words in describing intimacy. They talked about closeness and connection, where people felt close physically, sexually, emotionally, and spiritually, where people are meeting each other's needs and they are on the same page and they want one another. There's a want there for one another. So that's that closeness and connection piece. The other thing that they expressed was an intimate knowing of one another, really knowing. This kind of goes along with some of the definitions I shared with you earlier, how someone feels, how they think. Um, that you share some of the same thoughts together, that you're comfortable with being who you are, and you can let them be who they are. That's that intimate knowing. That really goes along with what you understand in the scriptures from the word to know. The other word that people used was safety. That's feeling like in this relationship, I am safe. I'm confident with this person. I can lean on them when things are difficult. I know that when I come to them, I'll receive love and nurture, I'll feel supported, I'll feel cherished, and that I will in turn make my spouse feel those things, that kind of safety in a relationship. Um, some other ways that those folks described it is using the word vulnerable sharing. So this has to do with it. You can share your past and not feel judged that you can share all the things that you're feeling and know that your spouse is going to accept you, that you can be vulnerable 
and exchange the depths of yourself. So that is that, mm, that's a huge part, being able to share vulnerability. And a lot of couples feel like, I I can't talk to my spouse or my spouse doesn't talk to me. So that's a huge part of what builds intimacy. And that really uh, goes along the lines of some of the other words that um, these these individuals shared was about being real, being honest, being able to comfortably share with somebody what you're thinking, and then in turn feeling like they have empathy for you. Empathy is a big part of emotional intimacy, and we're going to have a whole program where we just speak directly about intimacy, about empathy. And then another one, don't forget this one, that makes people feel intimate is when they have fun together, going and doing fun stuff together, watching movies together, prioritizing time together. You know, that's huge. Nurturing and honoring the relationship is a huge part of feeling close, connected, and intimate. What I would call shoulder-to-shoulder intimacies, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Now, yes, people definitely describe that they don't feel intimate with their partner if there's not physical intimacy going on, if there's not affection, kissing, cuddling, being held, laying down, resting your head on their lap, showing affection, um, even making phone calls and texting and that kind of communication, smiling at one another. These are pieces, this simple affection says we are intimate We are connected. And when that's not happening, couples don't feel like they have a close marriage. And then, of course, finally, spiritual connection creates intimacy. So this is where couples are praying together. They're studying the Bible together. Um, This also goes along the lines of um, having a unique and exclusive connection where I This is, I am their one and only, and they are mine. That we are connected in this special way, and we share things with one another that we would never share with others. So I wanted to share these with you. uh, These with you. These are literally the words, this last chunk that I've, I've read to you, is literally words straight out of the mouths of people involved in research on intimacy. What makes them feel like they're connected to their spouse? These are the kind of things that we're going to talk about how to get there. Today, I'm kind of just defining it. And then in a little bit here, we're going to talk about some of the dangers of it. And then we're going to talk about some of the practicals on how to get there. If you're just tuning in, this is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And I'm going to just give you a couple uh, little bits of information before we continue our program. Uh, If you have questions, because this might be bringing up all kinds of questions, go ahead and send them in by email to jenniferconson at yahoo.com. That'll be explained at the end as well. Uh, You can go on if you want to read some more and buy The Art of Intimate Marriage um, on Amazon. You can also go look on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, same name, so not too hard there. If uh, Just a reminder, this is a listener-supported ministry. If you want to see this program continue, if it's helpful to you, if, you'd, if you feel like it'll be helpful to others, if you'd like it to expand into other areas of California, please go ahead and uh, provide your financial assistance. We would love that. All right. After this, at this point, I'm going to actually talk about, we've been talking about the definition of intimacy. That was the first part of our program today. Um, At this point, I'm going to talk about, that sounds nice, Jennifer, but (laughs) that's not happening in our marriage. What are some of the barriers and how do we nurture it? In future programs, I'm going to go into super specifics on how to nurture it. 
But today I'm going to talk about what some of the barriers are and what's the first steps to take in nurturing intimacy and marriage. Because within the overall intimacy of marriage can lie a great sexual intimacy. So that's why we're going to focus on that at this point today. Because you know what? Intimacy is risky. It's dangerous. Um, When you expose yourself, and it really is an exposure, when you bear your soul, when you share those intimate things that you're feeling and thinking, when you expose your body in sexual intimacy, it is dangerous because what if you expose your heart and your spouse might actually leave you hanging. They might just ignore this this incredibly vulnerable thing you just said or this vulnerable way you're giving of yourself physically. They might abandon you. If you've got the, any of that in your background, that makes intimacy very risky. Um, sometimes it's hard for people, and this comes up a lot in the work that I do, it's very hard for people to be vulnerable with one another because they're afraid or they've already experienced their there are things that they've shared being used against them. That's super painful. And so that fear can keep people from opening up and being vulnerable. Um, Sometimes what partners do is they they're dismissive. Well, that's not that bad. Or well, you know, everybody deals with that, or they just ignore it. So sometimes the reasons why uh, vulnerability slash intimacy slash, you know, a sharing of your heart, all of those ideas are are hard. That's why a lot of people avoid them because it is dangerous. It is risky. Um, if you, it might be on the other hand, if you do end up sharing in your sharing and your, in your exposing of yourself, sometimes what happens is people lose control. They get so emotional that they, they feel like they lose control or they might become super angry. If they really express what they're feeling, they might become super angry and be engulfed by their own emotions. Or sometimes people feel they might be engulfed by their spouse's emotions. Oh my goodness, if I let her keep sharing, if I let him keep sharing, it's going to flood me, it's going to overwhelm me. So people avoid it. Being vulnerable with one another is super risky. When you actually... Um, <laughs> look at the definition of the word vulnerable. It has a Latin root. The word vulner, V-U-L-N-E-R, actually means in Latin wound. So when you make yourself vulnerable, you are making yourself woundable. It's risky to bear your soul to the other. So I want to give you some input just right at the get-go. Tread lightly. Tread carefully. When your spouse exposes themselves to you, either verbally by sharing something or physically by giving their body to you, be careful and tread lightly and be honored by what they're, they're exposing, what they're giving to you. It's really about um, being a place of safety so that you can be that for one another. You can be vulnerable and know that it will be held safely in your spouse's hands. It's important. I want to emphasize this part about on the physical end of safety. When it comes specifically to sexual intimacy, there is a depth of opening up of the self that occurs when we literally are either naked with one another, or we're touching each other's genitals, or we're coming into each other's bodies as an intercourse. 
This is the ultimate vulnerability. This is the physical vulnerability that also goes along with the emotional vulnerability that um, we were speaking about earlier. And so I love, there's a book out there by um, Cliff and Joyce Penner, and they have actually seven different books or eight different books. They have quite a few. And they have a chapter in, oh, I cannot remember which book, but they call it By Invitation Only. And they're talking about the, the woman who's opening up her body and the man is entering her. There is a depth of vulnerability specific to women that it is important to address that because the man is entering the woman, his penis is entering her during intercourse, that level of vulnerability needs to be treated with honor and with respect and carefully and thoughtfully. That's actually why the scriptures even talk about, you know, um, treating a woman with that kind of care and thoughtfulness. So remember that when you're interacting sexually, it is a whole nother level of risk to open up your body in that way. And this isn't just for women. There are many men that I've worked with who have expressed how when they that when they share with their spouse what they are wanting or needing, when they expose their bodies to their spouse in that way, if there's any kind of mm, ridicule or frustration from their spouse, it's super painful. So tread lightly and carefully and lovingly around physical vulnerability, especially if physical intimacy, especially, because there are different types of intimacy in marriage. Um, there's that, uh, the verbal and emotional, which we talked about a bit earlier, that face-to-face. And then there's the fun, there's the shoulder-to-shoulder, the more relational, go out and have fun together, the spiritual, the physical, which is more about um, touch and affection. That is intimacy. Um, when you think about touch and affection being a, a, a certain level of intimacy, like if you're in public, you might tap someone's shoulder with your hand. You might, um, you know, tap them on the back, but you're not going to put your hand on their thigh. In fact, if someone did that to you, you would probably punch them. So there are certain types of even casual physical intimacy that aren't acceptable with people you don't know. A total stranger is not going to walk up and just put their hand around your hand. That is a greater amount of intimacy. So even casual affection can be very intimate. A slight touching of the thigh, a light caressing of the hand, um, a stroke along the neck. The neck is very vulnerable. Touching someone's face. These types of physical intimacy um, they're uh, a, a whole nother level than just your common, you know, bump against somebody, tap them on the shoulder, um, you know, get their attention by you know, placing a hand to the upper back, right? Those are acceptable even in uh, the common everyday community. But in a marriage, simple affection immediately goes to much more vulnerable places. And we need to pay attention to that level of intimacy as well. And then, of course, we have not just sexual intimacy, but before that, sensual intimacy. And I say before that, meaning this is the term we might use for foreplay. I call it sensual intimacy, sensual touch. Um, that is touching the parts of the body that are even more intimate. So that would be, and I've described some of them a minute ago, that actually is the thigh, that is the neck, that is the buttocks, that is um, the face is very intimate, that's the inner arm the palms of the hands, the bottoms of the feet. These are very, they're not only 
um, more intimate areas, the stomach actually as well, the behind the knees. These are more intimate areas, but they are also more physically sensitive areas. So the touch is much more intimate. You actually have more nerves. The skin is thinner in those areas. And so you feel it a lot more. So intimacy is so much bigger than just emotional. And it's so much bigger than just sexual. It's all these other pieces in between. It's the fun we have together. It's the talking. It's the spiritual. It's the affection. It's the sensual. And what happens for many couples is... They have those outer edges and that's about it. They hold hands when they walk and they have sex, but they don't have any of the stuff in between. So we're going to be covering all of those things in between and how to nurture all of those things in between. Okay. The thing is, is that there's a lot of stuff that can destroy those different levels of intimacy. Um, One of the biggest things is that couples in high conflict will have a much more challenging time with intimacy. So arguing, conflict, anger, stress in that area can definitely destroy intimacy. If couples don't spend time together, it's going to affect their ability to be intimate. If they don't speak openly and honestly and genuinely, we already hit that. If there have been any betrayals, if there's been unfaithfulness, if there's been any kind of... um, Betrayals in either pornographic use or betrayals in uh, emotional affairs or betrayals in using drugs and alcohol, any of those kinds of betrayals, that's going to actually also be destructive to genuine connected intimacy. So we are going to, you know, share a lot of different specifics for how to overcome those things today is more of a definition of what exactly is intimacy, what messes it up. And then what we're going to do in future broadcasts is we're going to talk about what are some different factors that can really nurture and help intimacy be great, both in uh, just your everyday life and in how you use your schedule and what you do in your private time together in the bedroom, how you use your time together going out on dates, all of those pieces. Those are huge on how to nurture intimacy, how to speak openly. We're going to talk specifically about that. Um, in future broadcasts. So I look forward to hearing from you. Please send in your questions at any time. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Conson to address here on air, email her at jenniferconson at yahoo.com. Conson is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N. jenniferconson at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you. And if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Kanzen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.